Okay, last call. Order now before I turn on the lights and you really see what's going on with yourself. <laughs> Was that Shannon Sharp over there? That was Shannon Sharp. All I drink is hen, hen, yes. hen, no matter what. He's really running with this shit, it isn't he? It was the interpolation of All I Do Is Win by DJ Khaled and probably seven people. and <laughs> <laughs> All from Florida. A motley crew of uh, rappers <laughs> from right. Florida. Um, yeah, called All I Drink Is Hen. Right. I like that version. I need that, though. <laughs> I, I like it. that version. Um, how long do you think before Hennessy steps in and wants to be a part of that show on FS1, or at least wants some sponsorship to do with him. Man, they'll let him do like the Nas thing. Like, yeah, he cleans up. He he's very fat. Like he's very. Nah, his uh, suits is always on point. Yeah, man, he's popping. Like he could do the white. He's rabbit. a Hall of Famer. They just won't let him speak much. And like they'll have him do like, you know, like the fade out over over uh, like over top like narrative of like you know. Being the best. I'm, I'm like surprised, that. like, Fox hasn't tried to mute him in his encouragement of drinking at bro, 10 o'clock in the morning. They he's want not, those views, bro. Well, he's not really. <laughs> he's also they not, love this shit. They probably, also, in his production meetings, they probably like, can you uh, can you reference the Hennessy and the, the do you call it black and mild? Yeah, throw, throw, that, throw that in there a couple more times. The milds and the yak? What is that, by the way? I think that, um, no, I think that they know that, like, him talking is helping their ratings, so they just want more of it, you know? Right. For him, and then for them, it does. You know, it gets some of us to watch Fox Sports, which people don't really normally do. No, fuck Fox. Um, <laughs> what's going on, folks? How y'all doing? My name's Ken. Nick I'm is, Nick. It's Texan. <laughs> Sorry, and I'm Dave. And he listens to the Last Call podcast. Um, we're just in here chopping up. Um, this is gonna, ironically, and not in. It wasn't intended this way, but it feels like it's going to be a little bit of a continuation of where we left off <coughs> last week. Um, we'll get into that in a little bit. But first, okay, went from psychedelics to hydroponics. I'm with it. I want to see where this goes. This is, you know what I mean, we're taking the taking our hands off the wheel and just seeing where you know Jesus leads us. <laughs> um, go ahead, bro. Let introduce Jesus yourself. Elevate you. Uh, how y'all doing, man? This is James. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm the guest this week, man. I guess a little bit about myself. Go ahead. Um, one of the, creating one of the uh, first black-owned uh, cannabis mm. uh, brokerage firms in Washington D.C., where we work with a lot of small black cannabis businesses in order to put them in the forefront of the cannabis uh, gold rush. Um, also, part owner of uh, Carpe Diem Traveling Day Party, uh, blessed to touch across the country. Liddy, you know, it's a nice bottle popping affair. Is um, it coast to coast? Yeah, yeah. and then um, also just you know, I have uh, years and years of working brand activation and sponsorships for some of the biggest brands in the the country. Um, I'm happy to be here to talk to you guys. Yeah, have bro. Some fun, man. Yeah, James has actually come up a couple times, you know, in, in some of our previous episodes before. You know what I'm saying? Um, if you listen to us around the holidays last year, we had, I think, whole December, right? Dave was completely sponsored by Hypnotic, and we couldn't have that happen without the help of James. And James came through with us. So, um, you know, your, your name has rung bells on this podcast before, but we, you know, blessed to finally get you on, um, and definitely want to chop it up about this you know venture that you've taken um on your shoulders um but before we get into that um i know i mean i've been to a carpet diem not just in new york but um i just happened to be down in south florida when y'all had it down in miami good lord america good lord he's a good lord america <laughs> good lord in america yeah it was a really hot day that day it had to be about 95 this is in may right it's like it's uh yeah it was uh around in may yeah it was, it was, memorial, was it memorial day, memorial day weekend. no no it wasn't memorial day weekend it was single de mayo was it yeah, single, single de mayo there you go oh, oh, yeah. what were you doing in miami for single de mayo i was i was hanging out um chuck said <laughs> chuck said he was like yo bro if you're gonna be down there um, you might as well come down. Um, I was like, all right. I was with my cousin. I was, I was with da my cousin Damien. Shout out. What, what up, big bro? Um, I was like, yo, you got to come down to this event that, that these bros keep telling me about that, you know, I had to come down and check out. We had been to the Carpet Diem um, in New York where Fab was a DJ and literally had the motherfucking DJ booth rocking. Like the, the right, literal yeah, booth was rocking. We had to keep yeah. that bitch steady because the shit was jumping uh, so crazy. So I was like, you know what? That's a New York vibe. I got to come down, come down to Miami and, and, and see the South Florida vibes. South Florida vibes is crazy. Nah, I appreciate that, man. Um, I mean, the South is where this all started. 
Uh, I mean, I've been throwing parties in South Florida, Atlanta, probably for the last 10 years. Uh huh. You so went to I, school down there? Yeah, I went to Flat MU, you know, uh, greatest mm-hmm. HBCU out there, throwing that out there. But um, now nah, I've just been blessed uh, while I was there to actually, you know, when everybody had their summer jobs and internships, uh, I was throwing parties at the clubs down there. And that led to, you know, working with different brands and whatnot in the South Florida around the Azure portfolio, what have you. And I mean, honestly, the South has always been love. I mean, every time we do anything in Florida, anything in Atlanta, mm. uh, it's been it's ridiculous. It's, you from that area? And I'm from D.C. From D.C. Yeah, man. Like, I'm a journeyman, East Coast. Went to school in Florida, you know, where everybody graduated, wanted to go back to different places. I stayed down there, stayed in the South, and then when I left there, came up straight up to New York. So so you started off in college throwing parties, basically, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. how, how did you go from, like, ex- explain the transition from throwing parties to realizing you can make money in the liquor industry and then transitioning into the future of marijuana? Um, honestly, man, that's a great question. So um, in school, I've always been one to understand that if you can, if you're afforded people's attention, um, the best thing you can do is find ways to keep it. Um, so while I, in school, uh, you know, I, I made sure that our events was, was curated and geared towards our target demo. I wasn't really trying to force feed them anything that I assumed they wanted to be. I, I tried to make sure that all of our events uh, were curated with the pulse of the people that we wanted there. Um, in doing so, uh, I was able to forge relationships with a lot of nightclub owners and a lot of uh, restaurant owners. Um, and, and those really are the people and, and the bar managers that will really get your foot in the door when it comes to liquor. Mm-hmm. Um, any brand that you see in a bar... Nine times out of ten, there's a rep or there is a, uh, a somebody straight from marketing that the venue actually has contact with. Big facts. I mean, that's just a given. Big so a lot of times, when you know, I tell people all the time, when you do an event at places, even though it may not necessarily go what you wanted to go, as long as the handshakes are there and there wasn't no any breaches, any contracts, man, keep that bridge going. That's dope. Because that same owner who you may have maybe only made a few dollars at it during this party could put you in a position where your next ten events are paid for. And everything that's coming through the door is pocket. Right. Um, so down south uh, killed it. We realized that FAMU um, was a microcosm of the U.S. because it was so many different people from all over the country. For right. Sure. Um, and in doing so, just kind of having a uh, having the, just a grip on our, our demos, kind of seeing what they react to and what, what were the triggers for them and what they re, you know what type of social media campaign were they reacting to when when we came to their city, uh, what type of events were they going to when we show up. Mm. You know, you know, the little things when you go to Atlanta, kick with your folks, you go to LA, kick with your folks, stuff like that. Um, then uh, I had an opportunity uh, with one of the big homies, uh, um, Glenn Hodge in DC. He put me in an opportunity where I actually was, um, you know, interviewing with, you know, Ciroc, you know, for a major, major brand position. Granted, I didn't get it, but it opened my eyes to understand that when you go to these meetings and talk to these brands, the brands that, you know, everybody deems as such a, a high level accomplishment, right. we get this brand on my event, all they're speaking is multicultural. Okay. That's all they're speaking. So, you know. That's like their target demo, right? That's the target demo. Yeah. I mean, we're. It's the middle of the road. We're so super we... consumers in every, damn near every category. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, our dollar generates everything. Controls the economy. Exactly. Exactly. Like, we, we control, like, what's trendy. Right. Exactly. Right. Um, I mean, from the simple Dabba Ranch, I mean, something so slight that we may look over. Right. I mean, you got to look at this. How many chips of hip hop snacks they sold? Right, right. Hudson Valley stock probably shot up. Crazy. You know what I'm saying? Off of something so simple that we may take for granted, but on the general market, the general market eyes, that's, oh man, these guys, you know, but neither here nor there. So, um, ended up getting a job uh, with Miller Coors, uh, working in uh, New York. Um, That was really what kind of threw me into heavy, hardcore. Um, brand activation and sponsorships. I mean, granted, before, you know, I've done events with Crown Royal all throughout the South, done events with Chirac all throughout the South. Um, shout out to Roger Bonds in Atlanta, um, Chi Chi in Miami. Uh, like, it's been situations where it's like, I've been, you know, we, we, you know, doing these events, and I'm like, man, you know what? Let me get a check from this. Let me, let me get a consistent, let me get in somebody's boardroom, and let me really try to, like, it's one thing when you, you know, you're given the check and you have to kind of push the narrative that they want. But let me let me try to get on the other side and create this narrative because you know at the end of the day I want to make sure that whatever I'm giving my people whenever we're pushing, um, especially if we're putting our brand, our blood, sweat, and tears behind it, is something that resonates with our culture. Um, so had opportunity with Miller Coors, um, best decision ever. Uh, I mean, it literally put me in a position where not only had to come up with campaign strategies for the multicultural, um, but also had to come up with campaign strategies for the general market. Right. So working on activations like Gov Ball, Roots Picnic, um, Afro Punk. When they brought you in, because they brought you in at an entry level, right? Yeah. So when they brought you in at entry level, did they pretty much just say, hey, 
the multicultural sector sector is yours like were you in charge of it fully or did you have to answer to anybody like how how much uh creative autonomy did you have so so the beauty of in the in the so i'm a i'm a linkedin assassin so when i get to any role (laughs) any interview if i get your first and last name i'm i'm i'll know everything about you before we talk and by the time we get on the phone together, I'm telling every conversation based on your habits. Right. You've done experiential marketing for the last 15 years, activation. So the entire conversation, I'm talking about consumer behaviors and triggers. Mm-hmm. You've done sales. I'm talking about distribution and velocity. I mean, without going those terms, right. um, when I got into the role, I, I noticed that it was people that I worked with in the past um, that were now in that role or in within the company Facts. and leveraging those references and, you know, being pulled on projects and actually reaching out to pull myself in the projects. I mean, it took a lot of me having to add extra labor to my, my plate. Um, it, it, you know, initially when I started, they had me general market. So like lower east side. So I'm down there with, you know, the St. John's kids, NYU kids mm-hmm. and all that. But after a while and after they seeing and, and leveraging, hey, we got this day party going to be in New York. Let's get Coors Light on it. Um, hey, we got this going on. You know, let's 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 get uh, Blue Moon on it. Um, that pulled me into a more multicultural centric role. Um, they sh- shifted me to the Upper Manhattan, Harlem, Washington Heights, and killed it. Number three. and I think that's when we first met because I know when we first met, you was working with Miller Coors. Matter of fact, I still have your card that you gave me that <laughs> yeah, had the, we, uh, that had yeah, the Coors Light on it. Yeah, like, home sweet home. Yeah, for real. So yeah. like, and so this is when I'm first getting my foot into the liquor industry and the wine industry, right, in the alcohol industry. You know what I'm saying? This is me being in a wine and the liquor store and seeing just the flood of money and just seeing the nice suits and the cars come in and be like, yo, there's a piece of this pie and seeing none of the people that look like us. Man. And I'm like, yo, there's a piece of this pie that I should have my hand on that we as a people should have our hand on. So when, I, when I'm when i doing this, you know what I'm saying, trying to figure out my way and I meet James and James is over here already integrated into the game i'm like oh all right so now yeah now is the door is opening for us right now there's faces that i'm saying that i and he can relate to so that's how we first ended up linking right okay so transitioning from there how did that turn into you turning an event down south into a place or a brand party that you can go to new york that you can go to houston that you can go to la that you can go to dallas and that it's you know that those parties are jumping and people know about it. Well, I mean, um, when I first got here, I mean, I, I'd be remiss without shooting out my boy Chuck and Dave. You know what I'm saying? Like they was the ones that really got me. Like, it, so with me, I, I realized that you know when I go into the different cities, and especially before we throw these parties in different cities, there's no way in the world I, I can hit ten cities that I've never been in and become popping and then assume that my party would be good. Right. So it was really like the same same setup that I did within New York um, of having to just kind of throw myself in their culture. So throw myself in all the group meetings in every city, you know, seeing what they're talking about, not just hopping in there, throwing flyers and get waiting time, getting kicked out, mm-hmm. but engaging with the people in the city, going out there, you know, finding out who's moving and shaking, uh, what these is getting, you know what I'm saying? What, what do they got going on? I, I think a lot of cats think that, you know, I throw, I'll throw a liquor on there. I throw a specific DJ and I'm going to be straight. But at the end of the day, that same DJ been to LA 10 times. He been to Dallas 10 times. So it's not like this allure of being in behind the table. Right. He's great, not brand new. You are. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, they're going to get their check. So right. it was really uh, just kind of taking it, becoming a student of the game. I think working in activations and kind of seeing what people uh, consider triggers and like what certain advertisements uh, get pulled through and what have you kind of allowed me to kind of create the same experiment when it came to different cities you know seeing what type of stuff they're reacting to what type of promotion they're reacting to i mean granted we keep our our same you know and you know secret sauce that we do in every city uh to make sure that we cover all ends as far as what we can do as far as it's like you know there's certain tools you need for every city but mm-hmm. for the most part um just really going out there and just getting a, a pulse of the temperature i mean there's a pulse of the, the city like what, what are they reacting to where are they going to where are they partying at what right stuff they were listening to right um and it's like r&d doing your own research yeah you know going out for- there because at the end of the day you know everybody want throw parties everybody want to travel with it but i mean if you're not really if you're not really open to dedicate yourself in that investment or going out there and really and building that you know, that but base. Just like you said, a lot of people want to throw parties. A lot of people want to be about that life where they can say, I can travel with a party, do X, Y, and Z in each city. A lot of people, especially black American people, want to get into the cannabis business, the legal cannabis business. So one complaint that a lot of people in this country have that aren't white men, businessmen, is that they don't have a seat at the table to be able to invest in marijuana 
So how did you like? How did you find a way to maneuver yourself amongst the elite? Because usually it's controlled by the upper elite to get in that business and kind of break those barriers down that a lot of people complain about. Oh, I'm gonna tell you the number one misconception about people when they're trying to get into the cannabis business is that when you go, all right, just put perspective. You go to L.A. Your boy, he knows somebody with some fire tree. You go to Dallas, same scenario. Like anywhere you go, there's that. There's going to be that. The, the growing flower and tree is the most regulated. You have to have the money. You have to get the permits. They will shut you down. They will do everything to keep you out of the industry if you don't have money. But at the end of the day, everybody has tree. These subsidiary services, the butters, the papers, the grinders, the uh, grow boxes. Like we got a a, a, <laughs> it's a dope project we're working on right now, um, large scale. We'll literally, we grow, grow. So, you know, you call us, you know, got this factory, whatever, whatever. We'll come through and set it up. Um, the technology that we have, the larger the grow, the more energy it builds up and then it powers its own grow. Okay. Long-term line, mm. long down the line, we're trying to, like, have community gardens and, like, power communities. Wow. Yeah. With these growth. self-sufficient. Exactly. So, the money isn't necessarily in, the, in everything that's being so regulated. The money is in these... In, it goes two hands. You know, you can have the plants out there. You can, you know, try to grow. But now you're getting hit with our, how many plants are you growing? What is the weight? Are you a caregiver? That's what's regulated. Are you, yeah, are you within a certain amount of space? X, Y, Z. Right. Whereas if you're doing commercial scale butter, it's less regulations. You can prepare it. at a So so basically like growing large quantities of marijuana, you could you could equate it to being an NBA player. Right. Mm -hmm. Like. 50 i don't know how many people are how many people are actually in the nba less than 100 right or, or 120 something like that that are on starting teams that's growing weed on a large scale and then working in sports marketing sports law sports medicine those are the subsidiaries that you can get into you're still in sports yeah. but you're making money on different avenues like instead of thinking about that one percent of the population that actually makes it on the court you could be making money with the papers and the butters and all of those yeah, other subsidiaries exactly i mean you gotta look at brands like raw paper raw paper has never grown or sold a plant but they made billions billions off of papers right you know and and, and tying that back into how, why i felt like getting into it um i realized that if i can get somebody to party with me then why not own the black voice or the black perspective when it comes to marijuana? I mean, the same amount of people that will, you know, stand on couches, the same amount of people that we can get at concerts are the same people that they all smoke. When they go to L.A., you know, when people go to L.A., they don't they don't know particularly what dispensary they want to go to. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, I want to go to L.A. Oh, I want to go to Denver. Where are you going to go? I mean, wherever, you know, why can't I own that voice? Why can't I have that channel? Why can't I be the direction for it? You know what I'm saying? Right. And I think going and understanding that and then actually you know i mean end of the day man you know the the marijuana has put so many uh african-american men in jail you know Facts, you know right. that's broken up so many households so now i think it's just time for us to get that back you know i was watching this documentary on vice about this guy who lives in um he was actually i believe he was mexican and filipino but he lived in san francisco he spent three years or four years in prison for doing uh selling weed across state lines and he was super knowledgeable about marijuana, so he tried to get into the investment of it, being that it's legal in California on a state level. And they have these state regulations where if you have any type of drug charge against you, yeah, you background. cannot be a part of the weed business whatsoever, no matter how knowledgeable you are about it. So he's having his sister pretty much do everything, being that she doesn't have a criminal record, but it's still like a hard time. And he's like super emotional about it. He's like, I cannot get into the actual passion of growing this shit and selling it because i have a record for doing exactly what everybody else is doing right now it's not like he had a murder charge he was selling weed just like all these rich businessmen are selling weed right now making a killing can't be a part of it exactly i mean it's to the point where you know and some people think like well you know what i'll just you know use my intellectual you know that would be my asset to the grow and not but they if you are in that building and you have that, that felony on your record, and That's you're right. in that building, they will come through and clean that whole shop up. They don't play with that. So, so how does it work on, on, on a federal level, though? Because federally, marijuana, recreational marehuana is still illegal, right? Mm -hmm. it's still, still considered, what, a grade? It's like, a class A class, felony. Well, not class A, but it's considered like the drug is in the same class as heroin, as cocaine. Yeah. As, so it's the worst know, right. charge, really. 
So how do you like? How do you navigate? Like, first of all, being you, that you're in Washington D.C. Yeah, explain. Like, <laughs> let the viewers know exactly what you actually do when it comes to the investment of marijuana. Because you mentioned that you help put black business black represent black businesses within the marijuana community, yeah, right? Too. So uh, I guess to speak on different levels, as far as the helping out other businesses. Um, you know, I'll come in, I'll look at one, you know, make sure the business models and everything are in tight. What, what does it look like as far as an inner business? Like a lot of times, you know, you'll have the idea, you'll have the packaging and whatnot, but you don't have the business model. You know, okay. and that's the first thing investors are going so to like, look for. You're like a consultant. Exactly. I mean, because I have so many years of, and, and it's not even on some like so many years working in corporate. Now, so many years getting sponsor dollars from brands. Right. So the same thing these brands want to see from a, a party standpoint and like dotting your, uh, dotting your eyes, crossing your T's. Investors in the cannabis industry want to see the same thing with these businesses. So it's really going in and making sure that at the same breath that you can go into any bank with this packet. And pitch and your profit pitch margins. A proper, and a proper packet. Right. You know? um, so that in that aspect, that's what I do. Um, on my personal, what I have my business in, um, I, we have the, the grow box that I mentioned. You know, uh, That's something that I think can really help us out in the long term. Because like I said, the end goal is self-sustainable you know, growth for the communities. You know, But end of the day we understand there's a market for um you know working with a few projects uh where we're actually built mass grows Mm -hmm. um partnered with two farms um won't disclose really locations but uh, (laughs) i mean but in the same breath you know we're really just trying to build the content for the grow boxes okay so so when you say part you don't have to tell us where but when you say partner with farms what exactly does that mean like did you have to invest money with them or did they put money into your business um so in the same breath uh i'll say like this uh so we we on, on one end, we went and revamped their entire grow. Okay. So from top to bottom, like redid all their grows. You know, what I'm saying made sure that one because our team. I mean, we have electrical engineers, uh, mechanical engineers. Like we have a legit team. So it's not like some homies in the basement. Right. Right. Um, so going out there, making sure that their system is intact and on point. Um, but in the same breath, um, being that we operate in you know in the California side and we operate in the DC side. You know, we work hand in hand to make sure that uh, anything that we do in either either market, you know, we have the full full menu. You know, what I'm saying, to, to, you know, just to, to get the brand out there. Right. You know, what I'm saying mm-hmm. that's more so what that is. Um, but uh, outside of that, I mean, the butter is real big right now. I've been working with a lot of chefs because there's a lot of like can of brunches, private chef events, um, and we realize that you know why fight. You know, like once again, why fight for what everybody else is doing? So, would you consider yourself a weed chef? Like, do you know how to make? bunch of weed uh i I do i do know how to do it but a wise man told me if you can find quality for a low price pay the price right (laughs) (laughs) because there's no need for me to be out here messing up anything because like we at the end of the day it's such a regulated um regulated entity that you know we have to have the lab testing um it has to match with what we say it is on the, the labeling um so that's big so okay so going into like the regulations of that right so you said like butter right mm-hmm. Um, with the butter, like, do you have to put us like the specific amount of uh, CBDs, a specific amount of THC levels, specific amount, like how, like, and how close is that percentage? Does it have to be? It has to be like? Uh, I mean, it, how it works is you you have to put that on there. Um, well, and I'll take a step back. Like, so when you go to pop up shops and you know they got them in New York and they got them in DC and these cities, and then you go to these dispensaries. I mean the packaging is terrible. Uh, that's another that's another lane that I realized because, I mean, we deal with these graphic designers twenty four seven for flyers and logos. You know, why not? You know, come in and add our own twist. Tie it in, especially when you go in these places and they got plastic bags with cheap stickers on there. They're not die cut. I mean, little things. Um. So, but to the butter piece, you do have to have the labeling on there. It needs to, um, depending on where you're selling, needs to be uh, adherent. Uh, it needs to. Uh, adhere to the the proposition mm-hmm. of the, the whatever wherever you're at, um, and 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 for our butter, you know, we have the the label on the size and like it's just the old school, you know, when you cut this slop, that's enough for x amount of servings, x y milligrams and whatnot on there. So that was gonna be my next question, like, okay, so like the regular person, like the let's just say like they smoke weed every once in a while, da da da, da like they smoke blood, or they smoke a, a blunt, bud, whatever. To them, they hear butter. It's like, okay, so how much is in that butter? What do I do with this butter? Do I cook with it? Can I make cookies with it? Whatever. 
And if I do, like, what's the strength of that butter? And how much of that butter can I use? Uh, to, you know what I mean? He asked what the strength was like six <laughs> times. Nah, that's real. Because, I mean, so many times, when I went to LA, uh, I saw 100 milligrams. I'm like, what am I what does that mean? Yeah. What am I supposed to do with that? Um, so you know, we we found ways to uh, to be quirky and fun with you know what, what this measurement does and how how much you should use. Um, in the packaging, we have the double doses. So I got you guys all double doses. I mean, granted, it's not. Hey, it's, wait a uh, minute, you got us what? <laughs> yeah, the double doses of the butter. So oh, man, James, oh man, James, come bearing gifts. Santa James. It's two servants. It's two servants. Um, so how? What we try to do, um, granted, we have the milligrams and whatnot on the packaging. We yeah, have, be- we have that because you have to. But we we make it very clear. Good this because is two servings. Yeah, like I, we, our, our last episode, we spoke about you know when we, whenever we've had bad bad trips off of edibles and one time i had a brownie and i think it the brownie must have been 300 milligrams or something like that and i ate the whole brownie in one sitting and it was a bad day like it was a bad time so i've read somewhere after that that you're supposed to have between like 10 and 15 milligrams depending on what you're having and sitting depending on depending on your sitting um i mean me i'm a heavy dosage so it's hard for me to really say but 10 to 15 will get you right uh when i buy right um, you're looking at about four to five hours of a buzz. Um, in that buzz, it shouldn't be high anxiety. It shouldn't be a super crazy elevated feeling. It should be a very smooth. Okay, because like, you just described my brownie. <laughs> yes, I mean, because I, I mean, I've had the times. I've had times where I had to leave mm-hmm. events. Like uh, I remember, we were throwing a, a brunch in uh, Miami, um, and my boy just handed me handed me a whole brownie. He handed me a whole thing and it, it just, it literally destroyed my perception. Right. Of you know, but to that point, I realized that there was a market. Um, I realized that uh, in creating packaging that's fun with the consumer, like right. I'm not trying to force you to learn what milligrams are. But I'll tell you what the milligram is, but I'll also tell you what the dosage is. Exactly. Well. And I think that, inf- that information is important for folks that were in Nick's position, as he was explaining last week, where he just ate a whole entire brownie not knowing what the milligrams were, meant, yeah. dosage-wise, and how much they should Man. take. I mean? But, you know, this like the other side of that, too, is that, like, you've had niggas who, like, when you go to different, when you go to different, like, events or whatever, and they use, you see, like, a guy selling edibles, and it's like... All right, I had half of it. I'm not really feeling anything, and then you like basically eat like two of them, and you still don't feel anything. So like that can shift your perception of like edibles because when you go to California, everything hits over there. Like even if they give you like <clears throat> the real ring pops or like the little candies, little candies will, will yeah, ruin the cherry you. Yeah, the cherries they'll ruin you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Faded. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I, I, it's like I'm just like, like I can I'm afraid of edibles because of the experiences that I've had, and and it's like. You know, the one chance that I had to have a great experience, I was greedy because yeah. the, the Chex Mix that I had tasted really good and I ate way more than I should have. So then I was like, damn. But, but it's, like, it's like getting drunk. Like the first time you drinking alcohol, you, you, you're you like, I'm not feeling anything. I'm going to have another shot. I'm, I'm, but, then, then you start feeling good and then all of a sudden you throw up. But you it's know? like the difference with alcohol. Alcohol will hit you in like 10 to 15 minutes. Like you don't really know when an edible is going to fully I mean, you. they do. you do get the warning. Everybody says about half an hour, 45 minutes. So, yeah. But we, it's just as humans, we don't have that patience. I Especially agree with, with food. you. Especially with food. I did the same. I had 100 milligrams one time. That shit, I, I could have had a bit more, but it put me down. Put man. you out. Down. Like I would... I, I slept for like I felt, I felt like I was sleeping for two days. Like, I'm literally serious. It was like a two day. Like I just kept. I was like, why am I going back to sleep? It was just. It was. And you terrible. woke up and you were still feeling it. it. Terrible. Woke so up. Did. It didn't leave. It was. It was like a like a. I felt like I was in a never ending dream. Like I was like, is it still here? That probably faded after like the second day and a half and then the third day I was like alright I'm back to normal so was it like, were you too high to sleep or were you so high that the only thing you could do was just lay down the only, I, the only thing I could do is sleep because I just was your body gets so relaxed to a point where you're just like <laughs> my and limbs then, so relaxed and then in the, the real peak of the high when you're laying down it almost feels like the bed is like like you're falling through the bed Ty, like Ty was like, in the sunken zone He's yeah in the I was in the place. sunken place <laughs> it was crazy <laughs> I mean, the only thing that I actually felt that helped was eating. If I kept, like, I try to keep eating as much as I noticed as I ate. Try to bring you back. I started to get a little bit of energy, but then I broke back down. But if you don't eat, it just gets worse. Like, like all of you are explaining experiences in which, like, you just got really high. And I don't understand. Maybe you guys just kind of, like, 
got too scared. It's like when you're like on the swing and you're like getting damn near, you know, horizontal and you're kind of like you might not want to do it because, you know, you feel like you might fall back or whatever. Like, I feel like. So have you had uh edible that had the actual milligram? Yeah. Like, Dosage on it. When, when I go to when I was in LA, like we went every time you go, like if you get anything over an eighth or a half, like depending on which dispensary, and they give you stuff, like it gives like a goodie bag or something like that. So I had like a cookie, and it said like, oh, it has this kind of uh, drug, it has this kind of weed in it. Yeah, it's like got, sativa, indica, whatever. Right? Yeah, it's this milligram of this, and then it's like always take with caution or something like that. But you gotta <laughs> like a lot of times if I'm in there, I ask the lady like, okay, how much or whatever. I got but some gummies. The, I got some gummies if y'all. Yo, you got some gummies? Yeah, them out. I got some gummies. Pull them out. <laughs> I don't believe you. I don't right, believe you. Boy, lying, bro. So James, well, go ahead, Nick. I was just, I was gonna ask a question about the gonna, butter. Okay, the, just real quick, like, is there an expiration on the butter? Can you just leave it in the fridge? Uh, I like, mean, it all depends on how it's made. Uh, our butter can be it can stay good for about six weeks. Okay, uh, room temperature or in fridge. I prefer fridge, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just because I know when you're cooking. I mean, because I, I cook all the time, you know, like, and I'll, I don't use the butter all the time. But when I do use it, you know, the the cooking area is normally hot, so you know, I, I recommend keeping it in, keep in you know, the fridge, freezer, right? Fridge freezer, you know. But a uh, six weeks lifetime. Um, when we we take precaution and we make it uh we know what we're doing in the process so you know that a six-week lifetime you'll be good to go mm-hmm. you get crazy with chef and stuff like what, what's some wild stuff you didn't uh, oh shit so i had a uh a couple of days ago i had a uh honey glazed salmon with the butter <laughs> was busting. Wild. um we had when i was in dc we had the red snapper with the butter right amazing <laughs> Uh, are you I mean, are you getting? I would definitely as you're eating. Not so how it works is so, so we you know of course we measure the dosage right um because if you're having a meal and, and it's crazy because you you would assume people would understand I'm absolutely gonna do this with but, some fish but if but you if you ha- are having a meal uh and this is for all the can of chefs out here um <laughs> sk- gauge out how much how much butter and how much stuff you're using throughout this meal like every item does not need to be jam packed with oil and right. jam packed with flour because. That's when it goes all downhill, but yeah. um, nah. You, I mean, you eat it yeah, probably about forty five so minutes. So salmon, salmon, uh, saute anything. I mean, our buddy can saute with. Okay. Um, I know some people. It's 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 slightly favorless. I know people who put it in their uh, teas in the morning. Huh. Um, because a lot of our consumers aren't necessarily people who like to get high, but people who are fighting ailments. Oh, true. Um, one of our true growers uh was wounded warrior. Literally was shot up and blown up so much in the military he can't even get a job. So he grows and literally the caregiving process, like he uses that for, you know, ailments. Right. Um, Plus, it's a side business for him, I would imagine. I mean, of course. Right? And, you know, and then, you know, that, I mean, that's just a whole nother check and a whole nother story yeah. down the line. But um, in reality, it's in some sense that, um, you know, we, we, we gauge it out. So, I mean, you can cook with anything, man. Like anything. I, I've literally chefed up. So, oh, he oh it's like wild. He's a bucket. Yeah, it's some jokes. But yeah, man. Um, Anything, anything you can think of, it's, it's gonna be man. Cook with the fish, man. I'm, I, I'm definitely. Hear me. I will definitely cook some fish with some elevated butter. I'll cook some salmon. I'll put it down. I, I know how to how to chef it right with some butter too. So I will. I, will update I want to. This. I just don't want to regret. I, I just want to make sure I use the right amount. So of James. butter, call James when you make. Yeah, I'm like, you need to have a hotline. <laughs> Yo, James, I'm about to cook right now, but I don't want to ruin my my night. So now, let I, me know. And, and the beauty of the butter, and the reason why the butter has been such a success, especially like when we go to Papa Shops, man, like we we run through it. Um, it's because of the fact that you can always put more in there. You okay. don't have to fully consume it. Have yeah. you ever had uh, marijuana desserts? Like, oh uh, yeah, I've had uh, creme brulee. Oh wow. Uh, I mean, I've had the this ice cream with like. So one of the chefs we work with, all she makes is sauces. So I mean, someone like this, the syrups on the ice cream, apple pies. Like, I've I've one of my homies uh, based out of Chicago. Um, he's big. He has a can of a can of brunch. They travel. They travel to different cities and whatnot. And uh, him and my boy Dave, um, my boy Cameron, and my boy Dave, um, they they've like chefed up all types of stuff. I mean, you you'd be surprised um, how many. I'd be I would guarantee that right now in Harlem there is at least one can of dinner going on right now. At least somebody a can of dinner. So just all marijuana infused delicacies. Man, we literally. Hmm. Uh, I was speaking more so on the THC, um, but I know for a fact that the CBD, I mean, that's a lot of people, 
um, especially when they're dealing with ailments. I mean, right. CBD is in their daily their daily routine. Um, one of my one of my partners, his mother, um, you know, she has you know what she has going on, and she we make CBD treats for her. Like she, we have a uh, you know butter that's solely towards that. So, all right, what's the difference between a, a CB... Oh, no, I don't do the indicas. That, that shit, gonna, I'll take the sativa. <laughs> I heard the indicas will fuck you up. So, I'm going to do a sativa. 100 milligrams. 100, see? My ass before... See, the directions weren't like this on the damn brownie. <laughs> the, the, the shit just had a freaking brownie in a package... No directions, no yeah, milligrams, it says, nothing. It says four servings per candy on the back. Oh, that's real. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you for being Thanks, responsible. Dior. <laughs> oh, shit. Black that up, bro. Appreciate it. Well, I mean, that's a, that's a hybrid. I don't know which one you want. Indica sativa hybrid. At least it's organic. I'll try a sativa. You got sativa for me? I'm mad. So I'm just supposed to take this a fourth a one? Fourth of it. This is going to happen. It's going to be a group event. We're all going to do this right now. I, 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 it's election day tomorrow. I don't have to work tomorrow. I'm going to try pieces. I'm Jeez. just going to happen. It looks like uh, it feels. It has the same consistency of just like a, <laughs> like a guava candy. You ever had oh, a guava candy? Oh, I love guava yeah. candies. Yeah. Love guava candy. It's literally, and it's separated too. Influence. Yeah. Mm, that's dope. That's Blessed. dope. It's so pre-cut. This is going to happen. Oh, it's pre-cut. That's smart. Yeah. Oh, it is pre-cut. Look, it's a fourth. Well, oh, that's perfect. So y'all can either have, y'all can have one more. I just was... It's called Cushy Punch. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I had to. Shout out to Cushy Punch. Right. Keeping the, keeping the party going. Since everyone's doing it. Since everyone's doing it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and here all the rappers. So people came bearing gifts today. Right, for the, we gotta t- tell the people. Uh, <laughs> we gotta tell the people. This is happening right now. Sativa punch gummies. See, the directions need to be on that. I know, smooth though. What is that, Nick? It's medicine. <laughs> Cushy punch medicine. How does it taste? Oh, I didn't even taste it yet. I'm not. You just you didn't taste yours? No, I didn't taste it yet. Mm. Ask Dave. Oh wow. Dave, you ate the whole thing? No, no I just felt like he did. <laughs> <laughs> just have. I just Dave would. It. Dave would be the guy. Like man, I got the hybrid. Those. I got the hybrid, so I kind of went for it. But um, I took half. That's real. Watch out, shit. Well, this is gonna be an interesting episode. This is gonna. Wow. We're gonna have to update you. <laughs> next week to see how hey, this yo, went. It could be a complete disaster. A very, <laughs> this might be a bad idea. We could go completely down. This really might be a bad because idea. James, aren't you? What's a, gonna happen? I did it. Aren't you a Redskins fan, James? Oh man, yeah. Talk about it. You you guys pull one out. You though? know, James, I liked you a lot. <laughs> Thirty seconds Nick, ago, Nick is an eagle. But you know what? I'm not I mean, mad at you. Y'all doing y'all I mean, we do. I'm not mad at anybody in the NFC East. In fact, <laughs> I love y'all, bro. When niggas be we, winning, they we like your ass. Nah, we you can tell niggas so don't. Happy. You can tell niggas don't win that much, right? So happy, so happy. Yeah, so yeah. Cool. <laughs> He's like, honestly, we got a Jets, fan. Got a yeah. Jets fan over here. Yeah. Talking yeah. Shit. I have yeah. no peace with nobody. You know, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can tell when niggas don't win like that. They get happy and shit. They win three games, four games. You have to turn it like the Jets. Yeah, Jets won. Four games they did good job, yeah. We're out here, you guys are gonna what you got. Now, you know, now listen, listen, and uh, all due respect, like the, what I'll give to the Eels. I mean, we were, t- I Wait, know we, up. we were talking it about smells it smells like a weed, yeah, it does yes, absolutely. It tastes like a weed plant, too. It's like chewing, <laughs> it's like chewing a gummy, yeah, like a chewing prune, a, like a prune a, gummy a, or something, uh, yeah. <laughs> chewing a bud <laughs> off, <laughs> off the branch. I'm sorry to go, Joe. Go ahead. No, I said what I what I will give uh, the Eagles is um. I mean, Doug Peterson, the head coach, has done a good job. Um, he, he'll have some competition for Coach of the Year. Like we said, I said the Rams coach. Um, I think he'll give him some run. I think Ty Bowles won't win, but he deserves some wins. What I will give the Eagles is they should their GM deserves GM of the Year. Oh, hell yeah. Because the moves for Alshon Jeffrey to get him on a cheap deal, on a one-year deal, genius. And then to steal Jay Ajayi. For a fourth-round fourth pick. Round pick. Like I don't yeah. know if he deserves... GM of the year, or if the and Dolphins GM just deserves idiot <laughs> of the fucking year, and then going to get Legarrette Blunt for a two-year deal from the, from Patriots. the Patriots. Yeah, the you Patriots know, are regretting they've, that right um, now. Yeah. They, they've they've made some moves, trading away Jordan Matthews um, and getting a cornerback for him. So like they they made some savvy moves during the offseason and midseason to put it's themselves working. in peak position to challenge. I just knocked my mic out. Nah, but but basically. 
They've to, done some savvy things to, to put themselves in and peak to touch position. on that. Like if you look at the way that they got Carson Wentz from the Browns and how they worked that draft, I mean they they gave up genius. a they yeah. gave up a lot. They for gave it, up a lot, but it was worth it. But the Browns are kicking themselves in the ass. Yeah, the Browns definitely. kicking themselves in the ass a lot because they passed up on. I mean, you can go down the litany of starting oh quarterbacks <laughs> right now. That <laughs> the Browns they passed, passed up on Russell Wilson. They passed up on Russell Wilson. They passed up on Dak Prescott. They passed up on Carson Wentz. They probably could have got Eli Manning. They passed up on um boy name. Um. Oh, Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Even though Deshaun Watson went down, took that L. Man, I swear, Dave. I know you said you watch highlights, but you didn't watch the NFL this year, Doug. You really missed out watching I've Deshaun seen, Watson I've play ball. I haven't seen it live, but I've seen his highlights. He's killing. Yo, my homegirl. Was, uh, my homegirl is actually his. Uh, his like, like sports manager. She works in his. That's her account. It's right. his sports management. Like, I had actually I hit her up like a couple days ago. I was like, Yo, a. Prayers to the little man, right? Because like she likes is with him all the time, and so it's just like she lives out here. Her name is Alexis. She went to film actually, but okay. uh, yeah, like um, works for one of those like large sports management companies, and so yeah. Um, but yeah, just like that was heartbreaking because it's like, man, he was about to win rookie year. It's like, it's bro, he was about he could he, he was in the MVP race. Yeah, man, he was killed. Bro, like just watching him play football was fun, bro. Like I haven't had that much fun watching somebody play football since Michael Vick playing football bro yeah, no, he was smooth like the way he could evade and, and watch it like he is almost russell wilson russell wilson but like about two three years ago mm-hmm. before russell wilson got his check and before his line degraded right in front of him um like his it was a joy to watch him evade people drop back step back and throw 60 yard bombs to will fuller mm-hmm. you know what i mean um james were you watching the nfl this year did you have any protests i mean honestly fever running through your body I mean, I'll say it like this, man. Like, I've, I've sat in courthouses. I marched. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, NFL, I did not protest the NFL. I watched my Redskins play. Okay. I didn't watch any other games. I know people are going to say, oh, well, you didn't really protest. I mean, that's cool. I'll take that. But, I mean, in the day when it came down to it, like, I've been locked in the courthouse. Right. So, I mean, so yeah. yeah. You've, yeah. Did, you've, put in your, you've put in your work where others haven't. Yeah. I mean, not necessarily like that. But, I mean, I just say it like, people like that. How you? Because, you know, a lot of the homies... That's what they on. So. so, so let me ask you. So, you have do you, do you have friends that have that are not watching the NFL? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I got God. one sitting right next to us. <laughs> I, I know. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, got, I got I got a lot of I have a lot of people that I, I I interact with on a daily basis that are not watching. NFL. So, what what do you think would be the tipping point for them to make them watch the NFL? I mean, in reality, I mean, it's like this. Like we're 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 kneeling against uh racial inequality right you know we're kneeling against police brutality so i mean at the end of the day until the the same people who are calling us like we can't let the inmates run the prison the same people who are out here you know funding these campaigns for the things that we're protesting against i mean i in reality i mean i think the nfl is in a very tough spot i mean i i, I don't think on a PR level, they don't think they did it the, did it the right way as far as they have they've come about talking with players, okay. um, and how they've dealt with it on such a large scale, even with all the noise coming from the the political realm. Um, the, honestly, I, I think it's going to be a lot of people. I mean, not necessarily hardcore sports fans, but I think it's going to be a lot of people that are really going to be turned off in the NFL for years to come. So I was talking to um, an old boss about this. He's like a thirty plus, I say about mid thirties, mid late forties year old white man, right? Runs a business, um, has paper. His father and his uncle have stopped watching the NFL, mm-hmm. right? So talking about like now you're talking about middle aged to older white men that have stopped watching the NFL. He hasn't stopped watching. For what NFL. reason? Huh? For what reason? Has he so the same it? reason that Vin Scully has, if you've heard. So Vin Scully is like one of he was until last year the longest reporting uh, uh, voice of the LA Dodgers, right? When the Dodgers moved out to Los Angeles, he moved. With them, he came from. He's from Brooklyn, right? Mm-hmm. He, he, he um, called Jackie Robinson games. He mm-hmm. just retired last year. Um, he recently made uh, headlines this week, not only because the Dodgers lost in Game Seven, um, but because he came out and said he will not watch an NFL game this year because he believes so much in the military. Yeah, so so what he's doing is he's conflating two different issues because and I think like this it's a teaching moment and I wish I had like an avenue to Vince Scully to had like sit him down and try to explain to him you realize that the people that are protesting they're not protesting protesting anything to do with the military. That's like no if you like that's like no no effort at all to actually figure out what is going You're on. You're right. And and like utmost, which is like kind of like most of America's 
uh, right <clears throat> um, like demographic, they don't. They just take information at face value. Like if then you, or, like they take anything as like truth. Like like as long as it was said by somebody that looks like them, they take it as truth. Like oh okay. Obama did bad. Oh, yep, Obama did bad. Like, but what facts? And then it's like, oh, well, we don't need facts. It's, it's just like a high absorption of half truths. And, right. and then there are the people that are so ignorant to everything that they don't even like. Vince Cully might not even realize that racism exists. Well, I mean, Vince Cully called Jackie Robinson games, right? So I think Vince that's Cully- crazy, right? The fact that he called Jackie Robinson games and he doesn't realize that. The reason people are kneeling is for police brutality well, and racism it, in America, it, not necessarily anything to do with the military. I think it goes into it goes to even deeper than that. I think it goes to like, and and I know Dave touched on it with like touching on the right. I don't know Vin Scully's uh, political mindset, which way he leans, right or left, but I do know that we have a president uh, that has been speaking vote from a Democrat. There's no. Way. I don't I remember. I, I don't. Obama's the one I, I who don't gave him know, the Medal of Freedom. Right. I don't know that. But what I what I was going to say is that I do know that we have a president that has political agendas and speaks his mind, and that whether we as intelligent people of color or or for those that are not a intelligent B or people of color, he has a pulpit and he has influence. He got people to vote for him, right? So he has a certain level of influence. So if he's going out from his bully pulpit and saying these players are protesting the flag, stand up for the flag, is disrespectful to the military, it infiltrates those that don't think more further than skin deep about the issues that these people are kneeling for. They just hear that these players are kneeling from their president for a flag and they're disrespecting the military. Not why they're kneeling. Yeah. Not why it has nothing to do with the military. But you won't hear Donald Trump say that. You won't hear a gang of people from whatever right side, left side you're talking about say that, right? So, I mean, I, I don't want to give Vince Scully, but that's why I said I don't want to give Vince Scully a pass. As much as he's done, you know, in for sports history and and, and in his field, um, and as revered as he is to that sport world, I wish I had an avenue to him that I could sit down and talk to him and question him and why he feels this way. Right. I'm actually kind of mad because he was at. What, he was. Do, he was, you, well, do you think that, in the sense that you're you're asking or you're wishing that that could happen because? You think that you could change his mind, or you just want to at least try to give him the proper information? I want to give him the proper information, but and here's the thing: like, so like, but, what but, if it doesn't so, work? What so, if he's just literally that, but, that, that close-minded, and he's like, nah? I, but okay. I, I, I don't know if I want to believe that he's if he's that close-minded, then I, then he's that close-minded. But I won't know until so I have you that ju- opportunity you to talk just to him. Think it's a misunderstanding. What I think is that Vince Scully has a powerful voice and speaks for an older community. And if he, if Vince Scully, the voice of an older community, says that he's not watching the NFL because they're disrespecting the military, that there's a branch of the older community that will say, oh, Vince Scully's not watching the NFL, I'm not going to watch the NFL. Which goes back into my point that then, I made weeks ago. But then there are also the racist people in America that will say Vince Scully is a nigger lover. But you can't <laughs> like like just the same like Vince Scully. Th- but you can't do anything about those people. They're racist in general. But he can't change. You cannot change the mind of racist by just disagreeing with racist. But, but I'm not talking about racist. I'm talking about older people that I'm not that are not vigilant racist, but are influenced by what Vince Scully says because Vince Scully has been a voice in their ear oh, for 50 okay. years. That makes sense. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, that's just my little take on it, my riff on it. Um, but Vince Scully has all the information necessary just the same way That's what's so confusing is that because I've listened, I've listened to Vince Scully talk a bunch of times, and he's a very intelligent person. So to hear him say something like that he believes struck it. me off court, and it's just like... For, for I, w- I wouldn't. Like I wouldn't have. Ex- I wouldn't have expected it. you to say that, especially out loud, on a microphone in yeah. front of a bunch of cameras. That's like if in Dick Vitale. That's like if Dick Vitale said something like that. Right. But you know what? Like you don't know people until you know people. True indeed. Like, True indeed. All he was doing was announcing sports. Right. You don't know what the dude has in his classes. You don't know what his political views are. Like you said. Um, and to hear him say something like that would assume that he believes that because he has the same amount of access to information as every other American. Yes, but he's also 85-ish. <laughs> right, but he was still on a stage being able to know what's going on that people are kneeling. Well, he was on a stage because he's probably the most revered sports 
But what I'm saying is he was able to give his opinion on it. He was 85, right? Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Like, do you think that like it's probably possible that he's really just like a racist idiot? No, I don't. I don't think he's a racist. I don't think he's a racist idiot. I'm saying it's a it's a possibility. No, I don't think he's a racist. He's. I mean, anything's a possibility, but. He I'm just was, saying you have to be prepared for the outcome that like he's that old and he's been stuck into a certain mindset. So him for him to even not even consider like the actual truth, like it's he's old. So where is he getting his information from? He's getting it from somewhere. Like this is not right. These are not, and, and that's those are not new. That's I, more that's so a, where I was leaning to. That's is not that, a new opinion that I've heard. <clears throat> you know that that I that I've ever heard about that. Like oh I'm. I'm not messing with the NFL because of the military. I'm not. I've heard that plenty of times. I've so I've heard a lot of opinions on Vince Scully. Not one of them was he's a vigilant racist. Okay, all right. I'm not. I'm not. I wasn't. I'm just saying like you had a, as far as any possibility. Not like that one being the right. Thing. Maybe is he not as inconsiderate to black issues? I guess I could hear that. It's a possibility, and not even just to like like I said. It's not even to and to hark on race to just in general. There's a there's a re, there's possibly a. That he's really just stuck in his ways because he's 85 years old. Right. And, and then there are also people like Vince Scully who will love a black athlete until that black athlete steps, steps out of sports. Course, right. Steps out of home. Like a lot of people were cheering for Muhammad Ali until Muhammad Ali started to speak up and didn't want to go to the war and started talking about black. Speaking history. of which, you know, ESPN is not allowed to say oh, yeah. Neil anymore. Yeah. Like they're not allowed Nobody to talk ESPN anything. is allowed to they're say not Neil. Allowed, they're not allowed to say <laughs> Neil. They're not allowed to speak about anything outside of politics. That was they were basically trying to stop the revo- the slave revolt. That's what they were trying to do. That's what they're trying to do there. Like anytime they saw it rallying up, trying to calm the masses with Jamel, basically right. Jamel tried it again. Jamel J- Jamel tried it again, telling the truth, but tried it again. And they're like, "All right, now we got." She she, she she tweeted something, right? Or it was yeah, I think she yeah she tweeted something. But That's like. Crazy. You know, she tried it again, and they were like, all right, put the shackles on her. And what's crazy is Disney's about to rule the world. They're about to buy, uh, well, they're talking about buying the entertainment division of 21st Century Fox, Um, which is crazy because The Simpsons, they had an episode back in 98 where the 21st Century sign uh, at the bottom of it said a a sector of Disney Corporation. It's it's crazy how how much they predicted like, the Trump, Trump election Donald too. Trump being put in president. It's crazy how much low key stuff the Simpsons have just dropped. Matt, in. Matt what's his name? Matt Groening. Mm-hmm. Yo, what the fuck do you know, dog? Like, <laughs> what are you hiding? You know where? Like, and then he got the the almanac. Where's Jimmy Hoffa? At? He got, he, got the, he got the almanac from Back to the Future too, and found out. Saying like, I'm gonna make episodes about this. Watch. Damn. People think it's so ridiculous. I can make it a cartoon. Right. Art imitating so life. So wait, speaking, of, speaking of like cartoons and and entertainment, James, what like what are some of your favorite weed cult classic movies? Huh, weed cult classic, uh, Kid Cannabis. This is a very uh, it's a that's very, a recent one. Yes, yeah, uh, random as hell. It's one of those Netflix uh, ventures. I haven't seen that. Okay, uh, I mean it's pretty dope. I mean it's just you know the same thing you see in the, right now in the current, current cannabis industry. People just uh, assuming they can hop in there on some Al, Al Capone vibe. Just is this a show or is it a movie? It's a movie. Okay. It's a movie. It's pretty good. Kid Cannabis, uh, of course, the Cheech and Chongs. You know, I've never seen Cheech and Chong. Yeah. I mean, though, I mean, the movies are just the reason why those movies are so dope. Is just seeing that, like, the relevance that they have in the marijuana industry. Um, and it was taboo. It was so taboo. One, but I know yeah. one when got locked up out. for a crazy amount of years. Wait, who got locked up? Uh, I want to say it was because Chong actually was on TV, so it was yeah, Cheech. Cheech, yeah. Cheech got locked up uh, wow. for a crazy amount of years. Awesome. I think it was on some tree stuff too. I'm not 100 percent sure, so let me not speak too much on that. But, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, man. I mean, anything, man. You know, I I love all types of movies. What about Pineapple? Like uh, Pineapple any- Express. Honestly, I will say I did not mention that, but honestly, that's probably one of the funniest. Because I love <laughs> I, if I'm gonna watch a movie and and be under the influence of some marijuana, I want to laugh my ass off. Like to me, I watched Napoleon Dynamite sober, uh-huh. and then I watched it after weed. <laughs> that shit was so funny. There's probably two movies that I watched like went in with the lowest expectations, and I smoked weed and watched them, and I was like bawling, crying. Napoleon Dynamite was one, and the other one was super. Troopers, you know, See, you just said that. Napoleon Dynamite. Napoleon. So I said Napoleon. Napoleon. <laughs> now you said Napoleon, so I'm assuming that that candy Setting kicked in. in. <laughs> no, but Super Troopers was absolutely hilarious. Super Troopers is a good one. There are movies that are just like funny, just in general in the context, but like they're really good to watch when you're high. Like a, um, 
a, like a super bad or old school. Right. You know, like those are really good movies to watch. I mean, how high? I would say how high. How high? Half baked. Half baked. Of course. Yeah. Samson Simpson. Right. <laughs> Tell you no lie. Half baked. Half baked. Half baked. Half baked. Cult classic. But yeah, man. Um. Definitely, uh, James. I mean, it, it, any brands you want to plug? Your brand, where people can go out. Uh, I mean, yeah. Uh, so on the the Canon tip, you know, elevated underscore OS on IG and Twitter. Um, you know, we really going to document this uh, blacks in marijuana um, and blacks in cannabis. Um, so we're really going. We're going. We're, we're setting to launch that at Canica. Uh, so I'm going to Cannabis Cup this weekend. And uh, that's where we're going to launch everything, social media and everything. So Live. I'll have it up this week. So when you guys hear it, you will see it. The IG and Twitter up. Um, but we got some dope stuff going on at Canna Cup this weekend and uh, in Cali. Um, also, Day Snatchers at Day Snatchers IG at Society Global Squad. Um, also, you know, a lot of people don't know, uh, part of our collective. Uh, any video you ever seen of Carpe Diem um, shot by Squad Alien Astronauts. So any of your video needs out here, Chuck already know what it is. He just the the shot the the, the ninja with the camera on it. Um, so you know that's pretty dope. That's another thing that I got. I'm very passionate about. Any uh, carpe diem dates you got coming up? Uh, right now, I mean we 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 chilling. We got some parties coming up in Orlando. I know y'all just destroyed Fam You oh, for, uh, for homecoming. Fab killed it. She had that whole jump rocking. Mm-hmm. Um, that was insane. I needed. I had to take a whole week to really sleep after that one. That was crazy. <laughs> Recover, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, we have uh, the week after the next, the 18th, um, Orlando, uh, for Orlando Classic. So if you're going to be down there, man, catch us at Ish the Night Club um, that Saturday night. Um, we got a day party that day. So, I mean, uh, honestly, man, I'm just blessed. Our carpet day, we're going we're gonna to rock and roll 2018. We got some dope, dope stuff lined up. Um, working on We did a scholarship this year okay. um, For business entrepreneurs oh, um, yeah. And that's going to turn into a multi-city Scholarship grant Slash grant uh, You know uh, We got we got some stuff we're working on man. We got some big partners for 2018 And uh, we realized with this party thing Not only are we going to go to your city And you know destroy all your club furniture But we're also going to <laughs> You know work with influencers and entrepreneurs in that city To, to put some money in some You know a startup business Put some, you know, just get that ground out there and get them going because that's what it's really about. Um, so I mean, 2018 would be ridiculous. I mean, that's that, awesome. That's man. really weird. Is that? That's dope. Yeah, bro. Definitely be rooting for you. Um, take some, uh, take some, take some cool videos at the Cannabis Cup. I've always wanted to see what actually goes on in there. So. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm definitely going to try to get as much content as they allow me. Um, that's going to be ridiculous. Um, that would be good if you. It'd be cool if you could walk around with a camera though, like that. Yeah. Dude. I mean, I'm. Listen, if they don't let me go in there, I'm going in with a camera, man. So. Yeah, <laughs> smoke, smoke, some smoke something with Snoop if you can. Oh, man, definitely go try to get that going. <laughs> you, matter of fact, before you go, do you have like a couple dream uh, blunts that you want to share with people? Like, are, oh, there, man. are there a couple if people I that you would I could smoke want? with anybody, man, honestly, as crazy as this sounds, it'll probably be with Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix? Yes, really? man. Jimi Hendrix, the one of the craziest stories I heard. I mean, granted, let me skip, let me step back. <laughs> It would be more so I would be choosing what we're smoking. I, 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 <laughs> I was just about to ask you. Make sure you don't put on no, no bandana. Nah, 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 nah. But I already know. You know, use the keys to drips right yeah. there. And, and honestly, that's the reason why I want to smoke with them. Anybody that I think that can go into their most um, fame-defying moment and be so confident in their skill set that they can elevate their mindset to a point where they should be incoherent. I mean, granted, that wouldn't be the ideal situation, but right. but I mean, honestly, anybody with that much self confidence and just this mindset, um, oh yeah, mastery. I, I, I definitely that yeah, mastery. I mean, mastery, he, he was man. blind. He had blind faith in his skill set. Where he took what did they say? He took the most for the at that time. Mm-hmm. The amount that he took was insane. Wait, the amount of what? Uh, acid. Acid. Okay. Now, granted, like I said, let me take a step back. We wouldn't be going that deep, but right. I, honestly, just talking to somebody that in that time frame, what he had to go through. Um and and, and to, to to put such a, a footprint in that industry right. and being such a minority yeah I definitely want to pick his brand oh that's dope I definitely mm-hmm. want to pick his brand and then also man you know this the guy Bob Marley Bob man. Marley right anybody yeah, would yeah, want to yeah, everybody yeah, should want to I feel like he could drop so much knowledge on everything we're going through right now exactly G damn shout outs to Bob Marley exactly right that would probably be my that'd probably <laughs> my number one that would be my number one yeah. smoking a I smoked uh at Bob Marley's house like. We both did yeah. uh, when we were in Jamaica, uh-huh. and yo, no lie, I cried after that joint. I believe, like, bro. That was the most like emotional marijuana experience <laughs> ever. Seeing his grave, and then stepping out, smoking a spliff, 
and then seeing kids in Jamaica, and then the paranoia started to kick in, <laughs> and then I like started having crazy like thoughts and shit. But you know what's crazy? Jamaica is the reason why I got into the cannabis industry. Really? I went out there and uh, I got put onto bauxite soil. So if you're not familiar with bauxite soil, bauxite so Jamaica's mountains grow are like coral, like uh-huh. coral reef. Um, bauxite is probably the most one of the most. What's their natural occurring yes, uh, it's a natural resource. resource? Yeah, um, it's of course imported over by the tons for aluminum uh, production in Louisiana. Um, but I actually, when I went out there, we went to a cannabis farm, and I don't this you know quick steps. You know when the cannabis plants grow, it grows up and then it flowers. The two steps, their flower and buds were literally coming out the ground. These are like six foot plants, like mm-hmm. straight bud out the ground, and that. That whole trying to get that soil imported to the U.S. was how I got into it. But uh, honestly, yeah, Jamaica, man. Jamaica of the natural things, man. I mean, (laughs) natural soil and seeds. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's dope, man. Well, we appreciate you joining. I appreciate Uh, being here, man. Definitely look forward to cooking cooking some uh, creations with your butter. (laughs) I'm going to give my mom some of that food, too. I dare she you. doesn't even know. Oh, it yet. I dare you! <laughs> I gotta see. You gotta record that. Yeah. <laughs> Wait about thirty-five minutes after. Mom, how was that red snapper? Um, dope man. Thank you for joining us. Appreciate we appreciate it, here, man. Thank yeah, God. yeah. Um, yeah. Um, closing out the happy hour and uh, closing out the tab. Definitely um, appreciate you for coming through and. Um, we're gonna appreciate the blessings you leave with us. Ty came through with the blessings out of nowhere. I'm it's starting to feel it out of right? nowhere. <laughs> Man, I don't feel nothing, though. <laughs> tweaking, tweaking. No. Um, but yeah, I mean, if if there was anything that you you took away from this episode, it'd be two things, right? Um, one, um, no matter the feel that you're in if you're going to jump into something be sure to do your research and development on it right make sure you cover all your tracks everybody wants to be big ball jamal and wants to go out here and do things but there's actually a, a blueprint to how things get done reach out network talk to people ask questions um that's the way to get it done but if you're dealing in this um industry that you know, james has decided to partake be safe with it right you just this is we we talking about drugs here granted it's, it's all fun and games to us but like this is is done responsibly right um and be sure if you're going to delve into that industry make sure you do it responsibly um once again james appreciate you for coming through um the drinks are provided by new amsterdam raspberry tonight uh, my name is ken i'm nick and i'm dave and you've listened to the last whole podcast cheers